Brian Jennings is awesome. San Francisco 49er player, 13 years, never missed a game, animal, but as smart as Oxford, Harvard, and I got to throw Cornell in because I went to Cornell mixed together. So did I. This guy, is, and what? anyone in now smart as hell and and looks like he was grown here and he looks like he was grown in Iceland Uh, we got Yancey in the house Um, he's a brand new uh, what do we call ourselves by the way we are uh, panelists we we are the pod pod people pod Pod people people. he's he's a new pod mate we know you yeah you're an analyst Um, we know you what it's got to be a decade now 2013 death race 72 hours 50 hours in, you and I are talking business on the side of the mountain. Got it. <laughs> All right. We know, e- <laughs> we, know, we know each other a while. Works for a company called Power Systems. You're a coach. You live down in Austin. You're superhuman. Sefra thinks you're a deer tracker. But, um, but we're going to do some fun stuff here. Tell us what you think deer of uh, Brian Jennings when we come back out of this. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's watch and uh, learn. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're back here with Brian Jennings, 12-year, 12-year pro. 13 seasons. 13 seasons. You're close enough. Uh, in the NFL with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Yes, sir. Um, and a uh, you've got your own podcast out now, Brian Jennings Experience. That's right. Uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that as well, about your kind of transition from uh, football life. Played football for the 49ers for 13 seasons from 2000 to 2013. I never missed a game. I played in 208 games uh, in regular season, consecutive games. Uh, I had the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl in uh, 2012, so it was 2013, so it would have been February 2013, um, and I played in two Pro Bowls, the 2011 and 2000, uh, after the 2011 and 2004 seasons, and so I had a lot of success, unless you're a 49er alumni, <laughs> because I did not win a Super Bowl. Right. Right, so I have very low status when I'm in uh, the Bay Area in terms of alumni, uh, but you know, when I'm in Arizona, I did, I had a pretty good career. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one thing that just struck me, as you said, it's a Pro Bowl 4 and 11. Yeah. Right, so there's two ways to look at that, right? One would say, well, what happened in all those years in between? <laughs> you know, where were you? What were you doing kind of thing? But for me, what that tells me is that you never lost the drive, right? You never lost the desire to be the best. And seven years, probably six years seasons-wise, in between, you were still striving to be that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, so for me, I felt like, uh, you know, the first Pro Bowl was a great honor. Um, you know, it really changed my life and my mentality about why I was playing the game. Um, you know, being, uh, being announced to the Pro Bowl in 2004, I just got goosebumps through my arms, and I realized all the reasons why I played this game up to this point, um, I've accomplished. So I needed to, to come up with a new reason to play. Um, because I've proven that I'm a good athlete. I've proven that I'm a tough guy. I've proven, you know, whatever it is that's, like, motivating me to play this right. game. It's your data's approval or whatever it is, right, that, you know, you're trying to right a wrong, you know, by being a great player. All that stuff I had accomplished, so I needed to find a new reason to play. And then when I, was, when I had the opportunity to play in the 2011 Pro Bowl, I felt like that kind of validated <laughs> the first one. Right. So I was just like, yeah, like a two time pro bowler. Right. And there was a gap between. So it's like I was good for a long time. And so, like, that's the way I've always looked at it within Spartan. You know, the the object is what's the next challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and we've got the series of races from three and a half, eight and a half, 13, you know, all of those things. Yeah. So as you overcome each one, it's like, how do I get better, better, better? Right. And it sounds like exactly your mindset. But I also want to go back a little bit. And you were saying, why? Why did you play? 
Uh, obviously, you've got you've had the physical tools. You were probably been one of the bigger kids in school your whole life growing up. I, I would stuff. say I was always medium. You know, where, top where you really? Well, yeah, well so. I'd say I would be in the bottom one percentile. That if you're if you're yeah. medium, what, what got you involved? So what got me playing football? I didn't start a football game in high school till my senior year. I started both ways. I said I played uh, tight end and linebacker. And it's an interesting story because, you know, the reason why I really put all my energy into football was because I was on house arrest when I was 17 years old. And so, you know, and I was, you know, d- dumb, juvenile delinquent stuff, destruction of property. Uh, you know, I bought my first car in high school because I sold red cups of beer in the desert. Um, you know, just like juvenile delinquent, classic, right? You know, and so. Well, I would think selling beer is being entrepreneurial, but. but that's why I looked it, at it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. You know, and so then, um, you know, just, just I, 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 as a result of my behavior, I found myself on house arrest. And I, you know, spent a long weekend in a juvenile detention center when I was the end of my, before I was oh. 17. Okay. I got to tell you, I didn't know we were going there. This is interesting. Yeah. Well, you asked me why I played football and right. what's my why, yeah, right? Yeah, no, right. And so what I say is if you're, if you're interested in playing football, you, are, you know, you can't, you, there's no plan B. You know, so football is a dangerous game. Um, I don't recommend it for people that are worried about concussions or injuries. Um, if your alternative is drugs, death, prison, gangs, play football. If your alternative is, you know, chess club and tennis and, you know, if you live in a gated community, eh, maybe pass on football. Yeah, but, you know. but you're obviously, you were obviously must have been just, you know, a teenage phase, whatever. But you're obviously yeah. a very bright guy. Um, so, um you know, there's plenty of bright guys in the NFL as well, right? I mean, you. Yeah, you, yeah. You ha- in fact, I think you have to be, don't you? It's yeah, it's, to be so, successful. so right now I have a business, Mind Well Med, where we do brain optimization, and you know, we do neurofeedback. We have a chiropractor. We use laser technology to stimulate the cells of the brain to, uh, to activate and work at, a, you know, to to functionally improve uh, the symptoms that people are experiencing from loss of brain function. There's nothing in healthcare more complicated than an offensive playbook. Um, and so when I'm around doctors and I'm going around, it's like, okay, that's cool. I get so it. So right? you were able to make that transition then. Yeah. And in the, in the, in the, for me, it was like, okay, so what you guys are doing is not more complicated than our offense. Um, and so, like, you definitely have to be smart to play pro football. And my why goes back to, you know, I was on house arrest. And, uh, you know, I, I, I felt I had a, a realization or an epiphany of some sort that I think that my life is meant for something more than this. And I, I started training with our coach's son, Mike Delatore, every single day. And I went into my senior year, and I played both ways for us. And I had opportunity to walk on to Arizona State University the next year. That changed your life, right? From changed there. my life. I went. So you can't tell me miracles don't happen. I went from seven years. I went to from house arrest to, to walking on to Arizona State to getting a scholarship to being drafted by the 49ers to the Pro Bowl. Seven years. I went from house arrest to the Pro Bowl, wow. having never started a football game. Well, and I, so I, miracles happen. Well, they do, and, and I'll tell you, our friend of both of ours, obviously, Colleen, um, you know, she said, yeah, you two would get along. And, and I think maybe some of that is, um, when I was a young man, uh, arrested a few times for getting into fights and all of those kinds of things too, right? And something always has to happen. Somebody mm-hmm. either intervenes, something steps, somebody recognizes potential, somebody, something, again, uh, there's a crystallizing event, right, mm-hmm. uh, and that drives you in a different direction, you know, so... But, but I'm kind of curious, too, when you talk about your, your uh, business here, your practice, if you will, uh, the transition. I also uh, I know you speak American Dream University, yeah. which is a, uh, another organization that uh, we both kind of have shared, wonderful organization that helps vets through the transition. You know, I think Steve Young said at one point um, that when you leave the NFL, it's like a cliff you fall off of. And another way of saying it is, is athletes are the only people that die twice. 
So you spend your whole life building this identity and this life as an athlete. And then at some point, it, it goes away. So Michael Jordan's a failed athlete. Brett Favre's a failed athlete. Steve Young's a failed athlete. I'm a failed athlete. So at some point, no matter how much time, energy, and effort you put into being an athlete, whether it's in sixth grade, high school, college, pro, hall of fame, at some point it's taken away. Right. And you need to, ref- you need to figure out who you are. And so that's, that can be a really challenging transition for everyone. And it reminds me a little bit about, you know, an American Dream U is, you know, the transition out of the military. And, you know, you're special. So basically, I'm specialized with a gift of, you know, that I put 10,000 hours into over and over again of snapping a football accurately. And there's no use for that outside of the the world that I came from. Right. So no one's hiring me. There's no company saying, hey, we could use a long snapper in the office. And so none of my skills transfer. But all of the experience, the wisdom and the insight, that all transfers. And so the thing you have to decide when you're transitioning is, you know, basically, who am I and what do I want to do? What, who do I want to help? Right. So right. there's an amazing book, um, Laws of Lifetime Growth, How to Make Your Future Bigger Than Your Past by Dan Sullivan, um, which basically it's what my, what's my contribution? Who is it that I want to help and who I want to contribute to? Um, and so my ability to make a contribution has grown since I left the NFL. So as a, as a teammate, I could help my, the people in my meeting room. Right, the people on my side of my ball, the two people in my locker room, and some of my coaches. And that was really, and I could entertain fans. And so since I've left, I've been able to really help people, you know, in a broader sense in terms of, you know, finding their purpose, realizing their potential. And I think I can impact more lives doing that. And so for me, it's a big piece of transition is, you know, what's your why, who are you, and who you want to help next. Um, and then so that's a huge piece of, you know, the transition is really finding out. And then what are you going to leave behind? So for me, football was a beautiful gift for me because when I was in high school on house arrest, violence was everywhere in my life. It was at home. It was in the street. It was, in the, it was at school. It was at lunch. Uh, violence was everywhere. And what football did was it put violence in a place. So there's a six-foot line around the field, and violence was in that place. Right. Socially acceptable box. Right. Socially acceptable place in this era to display yeah. my, like, kill you yeah. stuff, right? right? Um, in like the civilian version of that. Um, And so then when I left the game, I had to leave the violence there. And so I think when you're transitioning, you have to decide what you're going to bring with you and what you're going to leave behind. And so for me, I decided I was going to bring the wisdom, the experience, and the relationships, and I was going to leave the violence. And I was going to figure out who and what I am and who I'm going to help next. So that to me is really what, you know, transitioning, it gives you an opportunity to transition and be successful and make a a, a massive contribution. As a veteran, I thank you for for those for that contribution that you are making when you speak to them, because I think everything you just touched on, you know, obviously translates to military guys as well. You know, you're deployed, you're, you're doing things, you're in charge of men, you're in combat, you come home, you may, you may struggle trying to find a job, or just even talk to people to understand what it is that you have done, right? There, there's, as you talked about, that this cliff, right? There's a, there's a separation. When I heard you speak yesterday and now speaking now, Training in, 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 in motivational speech? I mean, your presentation yesterday was, was polished. High praise. So I appreciate it. So my Toastmasters Club will be uh, okay. proud of me. All right. So, yeah. So I feel like, you know, if you're looking at what you want to do in your life and finding your passion, I think you have to look at the people you admire. And one of the things that I've always really been captivated by is live performance and specifically um, uh, speaking. So I love a great speech. I'm a sucker for a great speech. And I've always just been so captivated by whether it's a head coach or whether it's a politician or whether it's a military person, um, you know, and like in movies, right? The great speech. Right, right. 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 And so for me, like that's always been something that I've really, I've really been um, inspired by. 
And I've always imagined myself, even like growing up going to church, I always might imagine myself as the person behind the microphone. And so it's like, it's in, and when I watch sporting events, when I was a kid watching the Olympics, I always imagined myself in the event. So I never imagined myself as the coach. I never imagined myself as the, in the audience. I always imagined myself as the participant. Um, and then even like watching war movies and things like that, I always imagined myself in the fight. As a hero. Yeah. yeah. Well, as in, you know, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Right. And so then, and then that's where, you know, so for me, I feel like as far as speaking is concerned, um, you know, I've always felt like, um, you know, I think there's a lot of great wisdom that you can learn from sports um, and then from life experience, you know. So I've had the, you know, the, the opportunity to, to experience some tragedy in my life. Um, you know, I went through about 18 months of, of crisis with the beginning of the death of Pat Tillman. Okay. Uh, two weeks later, a friend of mine committed suicide in his parents' living room. Um, sure. You know, so I started I asked a big question. You know, what's the meaning of life? And then the next the next fall, we went two and 14, which means everyone fired. So you got to look for a new job. Uh, fortunately, I ended up, you know, keeping my job, but I was one of the few. Uh, that next spring, my brother got divorced, which was, a, you know, a matter of a big deal. And my parents went bankrupt. And then my friend Brandon Faulkner got shot in the face leaving a nightclub. So there was a big, all of a sudden, real life hit me. Yeah, hard. And I had to ask big questions. Um, and I realized, you know, the things that I thought to be true aren't true. And I had to figure out, okay, what is true? And I started reading books. I became a recluse for a few years, and I read hundreds of books to figure out what, it, what, what, what is the meaning of life and, you know, what, what's the meaning of life to me. And the reason why I bring that up is because when you talk about me speaking, um, reading those books gave me the words. And so before I had the feelings and maybe the insight, and, like, I feel like I've always been downloaded information in terms of, like, insight. You know, whether I'm dreaming or whether, and like even in sports, I've always just known what was going to happen and what to do. And it's not because I'm smart. It's just like I'm downloaded information. I have these insights or this intuition that just like gives me tips. And I've always believed it and acted on it. And what reading those books gave me was language. And that's the thing, that's the gap that I would say is set me free in a lot of ways is I have these thoughts, these feelings, and these emotions and these experiences. And now I can articulate them because I have the language. And what I've done in the last four years is I've read dozens and dozens of business books. So when I do speak to professional people, I can organize my speeches in a way that they can receive the information. So I appreciate you giving me, I can take it as high praise that you appreciate you enjoyed my no, speech I mean, yesterday. It was, it was very good. So that's, a, that's a passion of mine is, you know, speaking, doing corporate events. Uh, you know, we just start, uh, launched our iPod, our, our uh, podcast. So learning how to interview is kind of my next, you know, so I've always been interviewed. So before we're going to take a break here in a couple of seconds and then ask you for some, some lessons to transfer, although you've, you've really hit some. So when it was, you were talking about that you had intuition, right, and, and yeah. knowing what to do. Uh, if you just could kind of relay this story that you told yesterday about knowing with the, protecting the, the punter, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, and why you thought that was important and why you had to kind of take that action, but how you intuitively knew that was the right thing to do. When many people would think, you know, starting a fight is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so you want to do that now or after the break? Okay, we'll do it after the break. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Spartans, it's Marion coming out from behind the camera. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Spartan is more than just a race. Obviously, we're mindset, we're nutrition, we're a way of thinking, a way of being, and that's what we talk about here every week. But you might not know that there are other places to find out that kind of information about the Spartan lifestyle. So I have invited Tom Hennel to talk to us. So, Tom, what's going on at Life this week? Well, there's a, there's a lot going on, Marion. So with Valentine's Day coming up, um, we've got a whole series on Spartan love. 
uh, with Spartan couples sharing their stories. Are, are there distinctive things about Spartan love or things that Spartans know that you know, make relationships work better? There are, and I'm going to make you read the stories to, to find out those things. The other category that's really um, gotten some traction this past week has been nutrition. You know, specifically five foods you should eat to beat inflammation. And then um, the story I want to talk about with you today is uh, from our own CEO and founder, Joe DeSena, five ways to kill your cold. Because I know you've got a sick kid at home. This is cold and flu season. Joe gives his advice on uh, the five ways to kill your cold. So, so what should I what should I eat, or how do I kill my cold? I know I know one of Joe's cures. So let's see if it's the same one. Is it onion soup? It's to just eat an entire raw clove of garlic, which is is pretty tough on the stomach. Uh, in the article, his um, ways to kill your cold are a little more traditional. Than that stick to soup. He says fast. Sometimes um, you don't need to feed your body. Sometimes um, it's better off just to give your body a rest. Move. Always keep your body kind of moving. Um, sometimes we think it's good to just lay on the couch and rest. And what happens then is um, things just kind of seize up a little bit. Um, to get outside and get some fresh air, um, even in the cold weather. That's great stuff. And it's so interesting because, yeah, the temptation when you're feeling bad is to just stay on the couch. And, you know, we all know you get out there and you get some fresh air and you start to feel better. And the, the one that I really like, because I think it's so true, is listen to your body. Because those of us who work out a lot, um, we exercise, we, we work in our, our jobs a lot. Sometimes it's we just need to listen to our own tuition and, and understand what our body needs and when we need to slow down and when we need to rest and when we need to move. So I think that was his best advice was um, listen to your body. Um, it knows what it needs. Well, thanks, Tom. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about this week? Um, I think that's about it for this week. I mean, every day we've got new content going up, great stories. Obviously, our, our consistent training, workout of the day, and our, our food of the week are there regularly, um, as well as the pod, that's the place to find the podcast uh, in addition to iTunes and YouTube. So um, everything Spartan can be found on life.spartan.com. Perfect. I was going to ask you for the URL, but I don't have to. So we'll see you next week. That sounds great. Thanks, Marion. All right. Thanks, Tom. So we're back after the break here with Brian, and we were talking about uh, the intuition to kind of start that fight. To really become irreplaceable, um, not only do you need to handle your business, you need to do your jobs, um, you need to help the people around you. So one of the ideas I like to think of is um, children need to be taken care of. Adolescents can take care of themselves, and adults take care of other people. And so when you're growing up in pro football, you start off you know, trying to make the team and you need to be taken care of. The coaches need to take care of you. The players need to take care of you. Um, the organization needs to take care of you. And that's where a lot of high draft picks get in trouble is because they're asked to win games before they're ready. They need to be taken care of. And then second is I can carry my own weight, right? Not only I can contribute, I can carry my own weight. I can do my job, right? So you're an adolescent in the game. And then the next piece is, you know, I can take care of the people around me. So what happened my first three years was I was brought to the San Francisco 49ers with all their great players from the 90s were still in the organization. Bill Walsh, McVeigh, McPherson were in the front office. Um, you know, I was sitting next to T.O. Jerry Rice was sitting behind me. Ken Norton Jr. was, you know, as a linebacker. Our legendary offensive line was in the room. And there's a certain way you handled your business. Step one, know your stuff. If you don't know your stuff, you, you can't use you. And so, you know, I think it takes about a year to learn the offense. Um, I think it takes about a year to learn defenses, and I think it takes about a year to learn situations. So going into my third year, I realized I was basically getting a handle on how this game works. 
And uh, what, that, what I mean by that is why guys were coming and going off the team. And so a big problem for us at that time were, was punters weren't, we'd, our punters weren't able to uh, punt the ball effectively. They were having miss hits. They'd hit 15, 20-yard punts. Um, they weren't good holders on field goal. So we were going through a lot of specialists. And then we brought Andy Lee into our organization. And Andy Lee could flat out, like had a good leg, you know, could hit the ball. And what I kept saying to him was, hit line drives. And so our coach is saying, hang time, hang time, hang time. Right. So special teams coaches say, hang time, hang time, hang time. And so punters that hit hang time, hang time, hang time balls, their miss hits go 25 yards because there's such a small window, window of, that you can't miss. And in candlestick, if you hit a ball wind. <laughs> with the wind and the elements, right? So it's real heavy air, it's swirling winds. And so if you hit a hang time ball, even a good ball, um, you know, on a calm day. Can get caught. The punter's going to field it. Yeah. He's going to field it himself. It's coming <laughs> back to him. And so what I saw after a couple of years was, wow, these punters are trying to, or they're doing what they're coached to do, and it's getting them fired. So what I started telling guys was hit line drives. And Andy, basically the first couple of preseason games, fielded a couple of his own punts. And I said, hey, dude, you might want to start hitting some line drives. And so he's like, screw it, right? There's a, a screw it moment in everybody's life, right? right? Yep. So it's like, you know. Throw caution to the wind right. and just do what you right. want. I'm fired anyway. Right. Right. I'm, you know, whatever. Right. You're so, free. <laughs> right. You're free. Right. I've realized my worst fear. I'm free to be successful. Right. right. And so he just started pounding line drives and they were going 40, 50 yards, 60 yards sometimes. And everyone's like, whoa, who's this guy? And then there was a second element. So uh, the second element was he kept talking off the field like he was going to be out of, the, out of the league any minute. I was so confused because he had these amazing balls on game day. But no confidence. No confidence. And so it took me about a year to figure out he's physically scared of, like, being injured, of, like, you know, of like, the guys. Like, it's such a fast game, right? There's, like, in, in, in the NFL, if it's not blocked, you had room. <laughs> so proximity changes. So in college, you're standing there. There's nobody within you in four, four yards. And so what I realized was he's, his, his confidence and his punting in his future is um, at risk because of he's concerned for his physical safety. So I re- it took me a while to figure that out, about a year. And so then the next year during practice, a, a teammate of ours during a drill ran into, ran into our punter. And what I learned from our offensive line is when someone runs into your quarterback, you attack that person, right? So I learned that, right? From, so right. my first couple of years, I learned from the veterans, how does it work? You take care of the moneymaker. Right. So on, on offense, it's the quarterback. On field goal, it's the kicker. On punter, it's the punter. He's your guy. And so I was so, actually, I was so happy that he got run into because I turned and ran and speared this guy right in the back, right, and started punching him. Right. And his whole all of his guys run. The defense comes and hits him, you know, knocks me off. And, you know, some of the offensive guys come and knock those guys off. And I'm throw through his helmet across the field. And, you know, it's a huge melee, you know, show. Right. Disaster. Right. Everyone, I'm kicked out of practice. He's kicked out of practice. Right. Like everything is a disaster. Everyone's blowing their whistles or going nuts. And I've never been so happy in my life. Well, you're happy now retelling it. Oh, it's I don't the know best. how many years ago. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was say, for those who are on iTunes, you, you can hear it in his voice. For those of you on YouTube, you can actually see. You're, you're gleaming as you're, you're telling yeah. the story, right? Because what was, what was I telling my kicker? Right. What was I telling Andy? To have the confidence that you guys were with him. I've got you. you. Know, yeah, your teammate. I've got you. I'm your part dog. of us. I'm your dog. Right. Right? So, you know, I've got you. If anybody bumps you, if anyone looks at you funny, and I didn't, I didn't tell this yesterday, but the next year, 
uh, our kicker and punter were in the locker room, and a couple of rookies walked by, and they kicked their shoes as they were walking by. I was so happy. <laughs> so I ran over there. I said, hey, come here. You see these guys right here? That's Joe Nedney. He's been in the NFL 12 years. How long have you been in the NFL? Yeah, what, three practices? Right. See your steel locker right here? That's not going to be here in three weeks. See this guy right here? That's Andy Lee. He went to Pro Bowl last year. Who are you again? See right. these shoes? Put them back. And they're like, dude, calm down. I'm not calming down. It's not a calm down situation. You calm down. Get yourself in order. They put their shoes back. And I said, one more thing. This hallway's off limits for you. Go around. So what was I telling Andy and Joe? Yeah. I've got you. Right. I've got you. Yeah. All you need to do is kick the ball. It's your job. That's right. it. We'll take care of the rest. I've got hey, you. Listen, I tell you, as a fan, I'm glad you're saying all this because, you know, for years and years and years and years since I've been watching football, the announcers are, oh, that's a kicker. You know, those kickers, they're in a different place. They're in a different head. They're different guys. They're really not football players, X, Y, Z. And I'm thinking, eh, except for almost every game is won by one. You know, except <laughs> for uh, every game that gets lost is probably going to be lost by a kicker as well, right? All right I, I shouldn't say that because it's not one play. But right. but but a good kicker on a team, on a good team, makes a hell of a difference, right? right. I mean, it, it's just easy to spot. It, sometimes it gets a little old listening to the announcers say, well, they're different. Well, they're really not different. They shouldn't be. They should be an integral part of your team. And there's analytics that show that a great college team is, will lose more games if they lose a kicker than a quarterback. And so well, the more, in college football, the more important position the next year is a yeah. great kicker than a great quarterback. Which is many times a guy who walks in from, from right. the soccer team or whatever. Which right. Is so the reason why I tell that short story is because that, you know, it's how do you become irreplaceable? Not only do you take care of your own business. But you take care of the people around you and let them realize their potential. You carry that, more, more, of the, more of the burden. Right. So this whole special team side of the – like, you know, it's about a fifth of the game. It's not a third of the game. It's about a fifth of the game. But every play is a big field position play. So you have a couple of plays on offense and defense that are chunk plays 15, 20 yards or more. On special teams, you're talking 40 to 60 yards every single rep. So every rep – it's about a fifth of the game in terms of number of reps. But the field position is right. make or break. And so, you know, if I can make a contribution in that entire section of the game, well, now I can get, you know, what was the highest – I was the highest paid player at my position for eight years. Um, you know, and so in that – in the NFL, you know, in, it's, you know, you get paid based on how you're respect, so respected. And so for me, if I have my organization, the front office guy coming down and say, hey, you did a great job with the kicker this week. Hey, you did a great job, you know, like this in practice. Hey, you did a great job, like, helping the guys around you. Then when I go to negotiate my contract – you can't sell me. You can't tell me I'm an okay player. You got to pay me the best for my position. Right. And so that's where it validates what they said. So either someone's lying, right? So you're either going to pay me a great contract or everything you said to me the last two years is a lie. And so like, that's where I feel like you become irreplaceable is not only do you take care of yourself, but you take care of the people around you. Well, it's in, in part of the uh, range of creed or whatever it says, I will carry more than 100%. I will carry 100% of my, uh, I will carry my load more 100% and then some. Mm-hmm. I'll try to get it out. At yeah, some yeah. Point. But, but it's basically the same concept, right? I'm going right, to do right. my job, and then I'm going to do as much of everybody else's as I can. I'm going to right. try to reach out and, and carry that burden or that load for everybody else. Right. Which, again, I, I know this podcast is not about the race, but when you go out on this course, um, it's really when you see the adaptive athletes, the, the, the veterans that are out here, the guys in wheelchairs, prosthetics, amazing what they're doing on a course 16 miles there's teams that are going to run today and tomorrow you know that that are missing limbs it's just absolutely fascinating very impressive um, 
All right, so as we wind down here, kind of just, I mean, you've already imparted a lot of, <laughs> lot of knowledge on us. But, again, for the audience out there who just wants to learn how to become successful in whatever they're doing or whatever, just what, what kind of what are your, your tips, if you will? You know, I think it can be cliche, but you can't be a great teammate and you can't accomplish what you want to do unless you don't know what you want to do. And so I would say, you know, be clear on what you want to do or get clear on what you want to do. And there's ways that you can do that. You know, I believe, you know, I, I'm more spiritual than I am, you know, anything else. And so if you have to figure out, like, who and what you are and what you were designed to do, I think it's a spiritual journey. Um, and so then I would say, um, you know, mastery in one category. I would say that that's like, you know, so that's the biggest thing to make the biggest impact is you got you know, at some point you have to pick a thing and be great at it put 10,000 hours into mastery right and then really the next piece is finding hacks to be efficient and so for me like right now in my current situation of you know I, I have two businesses you know I live in Arizona I have a kid I have a wife and three children um, you know I have a lot going on I'm a, I speak at corporate events I do right I podcast um, so one of my hacks for learning is audiobooks and so there's always like ways of being more efficient. So when I played, my hack was the ARP wave in terms of recovery. So I slept with it so I could recover while I was sleeping. And so just finding hacks, um, I would say, would be like the big secret in whatever you want to do, whether it's physical, um, you know, your body's electric. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, whether it's the ARP wave or neurofeedback or laser technology, there's or beamer mat, there's ways that you can get your body to work better, faster. And then on the other side, in terms of intellect and learning, um, you know, there's, there's ways that you can get your mind and your brain to work better and you can overcome injuries, whether it's neurofeedback, chiropractic, laser. Um, you know, there's things that I've done my whole life in terms of hyper learning. And so one of my goals uh, right now that I haven't implemented um, is speed reading. And so yeah. one of the advantages for anyone that uh, has ADD, ADHD, um, uh, it's not a disadvantage, it's an advantage because you can become a great speed reader. So enter, go into a speed reading class. Um, some of the greatest leaders and entrepreneurs and business people that have ever lived were dyslexic and had ADD. Um, so just because at elementary school they said you were a problem, like me. Right, right. Right? So when I was in sixth grade, my teacher said, you're not the type of kid that goes to college. Right. Right? And so I was like, well, I went and filled out the paperwork anyway. And so, um, you know, so if you have ADD, ADHD, not only, you know, if, as long as you can manage it and socially, right, it doesn't affect your relationships, um, it can be a huge advantage. Learn to speed read. So that's one of the next things that, you know, I'm looking at uh, speed reading courses. Um, well, I think you'll take that up pretty easily. <laughs> I, mean, I, th I, th I mean, I think so, you will. I, my, my son has taken a course in that, and he, he reads prodigiously. Right. But, yeah, I don't. Because how can you get more efficient, right? How, and then finding mentors, you know. So I would say whether it's in business, you know, a strategic coach or, you know, Dan Sullivan and you have, you know, EO and you have all these different organizations. Joe, Joe Polish is the, yeah. the yeah. right? So you have, you know, finding, finding mentors and people that can coach you in order to make, make a big difference in the field that you've chosen. So for me, when I was playing, I had a chiropractor, I had a trainer, I had like a massage therapist. I had these people that I spent my own time and money on in order to take my game to the next level. And so nobody's gonna do it for you. You have to take it upon yourself. You have to, like extreme ownership, right? And so then you have to, um, you have to spend your own time on it. You have to spend your own money on it, and then you're free. Nobody owns you if you do it on your own time with your own money. Well, it's before, it, it, fascinating. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're an extraordinarily deep guy. And I think that the, the audience can take many different tips from what you just said. So they can parse that. And I've never heard the, the speed reading 
associated with ADHD like that. So that that's fascinating. But before we go, the one thing we kind of always ask people, and I'd be fascinated to hear your answer, is your, your favorite exercise. Uh, my favorite exercise? Yeah. So right now, ice plunge. Ice I've, plunge. I've been I've been ice plunging for about a year. Changed my life. So how long do you stay in? Uh, it depends on the temperature of the water. So we get about a thousand pounds of ice delivered at our office about once a week. Um, we have the you know rubber made hundred gallon tubs. We put five hundred gallons of wa- five hundred pounds of ice in each of them. The water gets below thirty degrees, and on those I do three sets of three minutes. Um, I burn my fingers a little bit, my fingertips uh, last week because I left my fingers under the water the whole time uh, in the ice. So I either have to keep them low in the water or out of the water for a few weeks until my my feeling comes back in my fingertips. Um, But so and I mean, it's just game changer Uh, when the water is about 50 degrees. I'll just do 20 minutes straight. Um, and, know, and that does what? Recuperation so or reduces in, calories? Or uh, reduces inflammation. Okay. Um, so I do chin down. Um, I try to get the back of my head and neck is where I've had a lot of injuries in the, my, uh, with concussions sure. and to head trauma. Um, and so basically it drives out inflammation. Um, it balances your hormones. Um, you know, you, it gives you massive amounts of energy. One of my other hacks is how do you get energy without uh, – we have actually have a podcast that we just released last week, Energy, How Do You Get Energy Without Food? Um, you know, and there's a lot of ways that you can do that. People are food too, too food dependent. Um, and so one of the things, and so it gives you massive energy, right, in terms of your nervous system. Um, and so it's absolutely a hack if you're, especially if you're training and you need to recover and you need to train the next day. If you ice plunge every day, um, you'll be able to out-train everybody you know. Well, I'll tell you, most people just say yoga. So, you know, <laughs> so again, ice fa- plunge, fa- fascinating answer. I want to yeah. thank you for coming on. Yeah, my it's pleasure. A pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. Thank you for having All me. All right. And we're out here. That's Spartan Up Podcast. Thanks. Incredible guy. Joe, one thing you didn't even mention, how do you overlook this? Uh, three-time pro bowler. So this this guy has it all. But I, I sort of eavesdropped on him. Uh, the, he was being interviewed in um, at the World Championships, Spartan Race World Championships in Lake Tahoe. And I heard Tim having this conversation with this guy. And it's funny, at first I didn't realize it was a podcast. I just thought Tim was having a conversation. I looked around the corner, I saw Marion filming him. And, and I mean, he's such a striking guy, right? And then you listen to him, and he's so smart. Like, just everything he says, he's very calm and spiritual and peaceful, but obviously a badass, too. And at the, uh, at the, the um, athlete briefing for the, uh, the team, he, he told a couple of stories to them. He told a story about, uh, were you there? When he talked about there, no, the, awesome. the game where his eyeball popped out yeah. and he, he had to keep playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We won't get into all that, but, 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 but just one of the more work? well-rounded people I've ever met. So, so, uh, yeah. so No, I, um, I learned a lot from him. I've gotten to know him, and um, he's, he's got a little Bruce Lee in him, you know, yeah, yeah. where he's, he's spiritual. Story. Uh, so I'm interviewing Bruce Lee's daughter, and Brian comes up on the deck, and Bruce Lee's daughter meets him. And literally eight seconds into the meeting, Brian, this guy is a monster, starts crying and just breaks down. And Bruce Lee's daughter's hugging him. And then I go into my interview and I'm like, what the hell? What was that all about? And he he couldn't even explain it. He's like, I don't know. I've just got such a connection to Bruce Lee. I grew up aspiring to be him and learning (laughs) from him. And then I'm teaching my kids all his. He just bought um, a poster for each of his kids. Yeah, posters in in the room for the kids. And and, uh, so when I saw her, it was just like all these emotions came rushing out. And I just started crying. Um, So he's obviously emotional as well. He's like the perfect guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who has two kids that he's raising super well. And he's all about uh, growing their own food cooking up their own food yep. and he's saying he's saying anything that comes package or process all these things that obviously make sense and if people listening to this don't get that by now then i don't know what we're fighting for right it's like 
you know, these kids are getting raised like your kids, Joe, and it's the right way to do it. I so, think so. so what you train athletes, uh, Yancey, you, do you think um, the training and the discipline and all those years of playing in the NFL like, like help develop a person? Because you think everything you read about the concussions breaks people down, but obviously the opposite happened here. I had the amazing opportunity to provide strength and conditioning for a high school football team in Texas where football is life yeah. in Texas. And what I like to tell those kids when I'm talking to them is you are knee deep in the middle of what I consider one of the greatest internships in life. Huh. Not just team sports, but the football gladiator type sport of football being a team thing. It's, it is the greatest internship. When you're talking about something like Brian, you're just taking that high school level, then the college level, the NFL level, and that's just you know, years of playing on a team where it's, it can't be about you. It's about the team. And uh, I can promise you, he would tell us, I've never met the man, but I bet you he would tell us that some of those emotions are coming from those years of serving the, his team. His team. From those yeah. three levels of. Yeah. That's exactly what he first. said. Yeah, he, he was he, like, we got you. That, that was his yeah. whole thing about team. He's like, when I'm part of this, he's like. He, he, yeah, he, he told that great story about um, uh, the, yeah, the rookies walking in and sort of kicking these sneakers out of the way. And he walked over and he grabbed this rookie and he said, you pick those sneakers up and you put them back. The man whose sneakers those are, he's a four-year veteran. You are a rookie. You have not earned the right to kick anyone's sneakers. And he, and he, he said, you know, he's the nicest guy in the world, but every now and then he had to show these Step people in. respect. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he taught them team. You do not kick your teammates' shoes out of the way, right? That's right. And it's such a simple thing, but it's, it's the foundation, that respect and that, 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 that team mentality. It's funny because it seems like a juxtaposition of the Neanderthal, I must beat him, and the, uh, the thinking man of, I need to work on the psychology of my quarterback. And they aren't antithetical. It's not that you can't have them both. I mean, there are a lot of people who can only do the one or only do the other. Pretty neat, rare breed who has the brains and the brawn and knows how to harness them together. Well, that's, what he, that's what he said when he left. He said the hardest thing about it was like, this is such a safe place for violence, right? This is such a safe place for having, like getting out these innate humanistic, animalistic qualities that we have that are proper. And um, he says, what I took from all of it was the wisdom that he learned from the teammates and the camaraderie and all that. And he said what he left, what he had to leave behind was the violence. How do you teach this transition. kind of stuff? There, there's only a couple rules in, in the sport of football. Um, you, you hit upon something that's, that's pretty amazing, is that once you cross that white line, yeah. there's, there's two basic rules. You have to follow a few rules in the rule book, and you have to shake hands when the game is over with. Mm. Other than that, Pretty much anything else goes that you, if you did that anywhere else, yeah. you'd be thrown in jail. Like but you get to go war. out there and be that gladiator, that warrior, that Spartan, yeah. that Viking, mm -hmm. that mentality. And then to practice, now you have to turn it off when you walk on this side of the line. Yeah. So, you know, again, with uh, just back to Brian and, and the idea about uh, him being a Tahoe. And it's really neat that, um, that this community has been able to now attract so many incredible personalities, you know, some of them from sports, some of them from business, you know, Bruce Lee's daughter, um, we, we, you know, you had uh, Todd Orr, the guy who'd been attacked by the bear. Yeah. And I, I just, twice. Tw twice, yeah, that's a great story. Watch that podcast. But, but I, just, I just think it's really cool that, that, um, that this community is now becoming a hub. And, and yes, you've been part of this community for a long time. And you've got some great athletes out competing in uh, the Spartan Ultra World Championships that we're, we're, we're here in Iceland, yeah, as we speak with a, a hailstorm going on outside, it's about to turn to snow. Um, but it's really cool that, that Spartan is now becoming a hub and an incubator for interesting ideas in this podcast where we have all these different people come on and bring their life experience that we then get to share with our, with our listeners and, and watchers. And um, it's, it, I'm, I'm finding that, that it's, it's broadening even more so, you know, where, where the, the, the range of guests, we're, we're not narrowing in on one specific thing. 
every week is somewhere different. I like mixing it up. I think yeah. it's good for us, right? I think um, I think if we stuck with one kind of guest, we probably yeah. wouldn't learn as much. We we need to have Yancey back as a guest sometime because because yeah, you're coaching elite athletes. Like you know, you're 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 a guy who's now sought out in this industry uh, to coach the people who want to go from you know the 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 middle of the elite pack to mm -hmm. the podium and you're very successful at getting them there so so i you know we can't get into all that on this one but i really want to have you in some time and and talk to you or have joe talk to you about what are the principles and the um and 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 the values that that guide your work but if you just want to give me just one thing what would you say is the driving most fundamental thing that you work with your athletes on i would say that this group of athletes, the, the ultra athletes, you know, from the ultra beast up is just a, um, it's a little different uh, ball game. You know, I, I coach some of the, the Spartan pro team that, that tend to lean towards the, the Kate Kramers, the Ryan Kent yep. that do all the short stuff and they're, they're freaking epic athletes, but. Which is more is, of a, more of a three hour athlete. Yeah. This is more of a 12 hour athlete. They're three and under and this right. is a, um, it's a different, Mark Jones, for example, is like, right. you have to get in my shit tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just different. That's yeah, not, yeah. you know, Ryan and Kate are not going to tell me that. Rose and Matt Novakovic are not going to tell me that. It's, yeah. it's one lap. This is, they, they want me to shake them. And MJ. They, they, we, we, yeah. Mark, Mark and I call it the, the, the SAR slap. If I slap you, I'm going to go from the shoulder in. Yeah, yeah. We'll get too high, but it's gonna, I'm going to wake you up. And yeah. it's, it's a different mental, the mental game is as important or more important than the physical game. Well, and, and you made the comment earlier, you know, you, you, we were looking at the leaderboard, which will change a lot since early in, but you said Mark's one of the better prepared athletes out there for this kind of thing, that a lot of people showed up thinking, yeah, I'm running an Iceland as long as they don't put me in the water too much, I'm going to be fine. And a lot of people didn't show up ready to deal with the brutal conditions that tonight's going to be. I can tell you some of the things that Mark and the, the Killian types have been through, that this, they're, they're in a good spot. They're in yeah. a good spot mentally. Would you, would you think a guy like Brian Jennings would be uh, able to do something like this? NFL player? I would say just like Robert and Mark wouldn't be <laughs> clear for his, they would need to gain some experience. If you threw him in this, he would be, I think it could pull the rug out from under him a little bit, just being brutally honest. Um, I'll tell you what though, the freaking Spartan women out there, the first five guys came through right now, they're, they're setting up their high rankings yeah. and the five guys were struggling a little bit. Yeah. Those two top women were, I was like, I was expecting them to be struggling. Yeah. Dude, they were had a big Shitting grin on their face. They so, were rock and roll. So, so two quick things there. Thing. International coach, because they're both your clients and they're both Canadian. So I want to put in a plug for Canada. Yeah. And I want to put in a plug for our podcast. www.spartan.com slash podcast. Go to iTunes, go to YouTube, subscribe. And the reason you subscribe is that it gets pushed to you. Every week you get it. You see our incredible guests. You'll be there when we bring Yancey back as a guest. And that. you'll never miss Sephra's smiling face again. One caveat. Go get it, Mark Jones. One caveat. If you turn the podcast on and you're sitting on the couch, it won't work. Go outside in the rain to watch it. True story. We're get waterproof comfortable podcast. being uncomfortable. It'll pay <laughs> off when you're in Iceland next year. Toodles. <laughs> another epic story of success if you like our message please share spartan up with your friends and subscribe on itunes youtube or wherever you catch our show maybe in the woods spartan up is brought to you by spartan race to find a race near you visit spartan.com